Hey guys, my name is Kyle McMahon, and this is the first episode of Kyle Does Harry Potter. So, I run a website, Kyle, the number two, the letter U.com, or KyleMcMahon.me, that focuses on self-improvement for millennials. This is, has nothing to do with that. This is just something fun that I'm doing. I love Harry Potter. I've actually never read the books, although I am starting to just for this podcast. So I love the movies. That's where I discovered the world of Harry Potter. I've obsessed over the movies. I've gone to Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Universal Orlando. I've bought tons of merch. The Funko Pops just really brought me into this world, this fantastical, amazing world. And then the release of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is another, it's probably one of my favorite movies ever. So uh, I decided to start this podcast as kind of a tribute to the joy Harry Potter has brought me. And I also thought it'd be cool that as I go chapter by chapter reading the books for the first time, that each episode would focus on a chapter of the book. So that's what we're doing. This is the first episode, and it's going to deal with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in the U.S., or Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in the U.K. This particular episode is going to delve with chapter one of the first book, and the title of the chapter is The Boy Who Lived. So let's talk about The Boy Who Lived. So I'm reading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone the enhanced edition, which I bought on iTunes or iBooks, Apple Books, uh, for my iPad. And it's cool because it has a bunch of illustrations that move, and there's a lot of interactive stuff, which is really a nice touch for me that's reading it for my first time. I haven't read a fiction book in forever, so this is really, really cool, a really nice way to experience the book. So, chapter one, The Boy Who Lived. The entire Harry Potter universe essentially starts with this opening sentence, a couple of sentences. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four, Privet Drive, were proud to say that they were perfectly normal, thank you very much. They were the last people you'd expect to be involved in anything strange or mysterious because they just didn't hold with such nonsense. It's pretty, pretty interesting that uh, this really does set the tone for the rest of the story. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Dursley, of course, are end up becoming Harry Potter's uh, essentially adoptive parents, and the way that they perceive themselves is so opposite of the way their life actually becomes. So it's really an interesting way to to set the tone for the story. From there, there's a great quote shortly after that has a lot of foreshadowing. And that quote is, The Dursleys had everything they wanted, but they also had a secret. And their greatest fear was that somebody would discover it. They didn't think that they could bear it if anyone found out about the Potters. And of course, they're talking about 
Mrs. and Mr. Potter. Mrs. Potter being Mrs. Dursley's sister, who we find out that she hasn't met with for years. They're basically, she basically pretends that she doesn't have a sister because uh, they are practicing wizards uh, and witches, I guess. So it's almost, if you think about it, it's almost reflective of uh, people of color at a certain time in American history or uh, the homosexual community more recently where people are just disowning family members because of who they are. So uh, that's, it's a pretty interesting quote and it, it does a lot of foreshadowing from what I know, of course, from the movies and stuff. You know, Mr. Dursley wakes up in his boring, mundane life and he gets ready to go to work. They have a child named Dudley, who is uh, apparently overweight, and they see Dudley as God's gift to the world, although doesn't seem like he, he really is. On his way to work, Mr. Dursley sees what he thinks he sees as a cat reading a map. You know, we start seeing these strange and unusual things happen in, in the Dursley's quiet, quote, quiet, mundane, average life. He drives towards town, and he didn't think of anything except for something having to do with work. I think J.K. Rowling says uh, it's a large order of drills that he was hoping to get to that day. He lives a very mundane, average life. He sat in the usual traffic jam. You know, he's, it's, it's repeated that he's just ordinary. Mr. Dursley was enraged to see a couple of these people that uh, are dressed in cloaks weren't young at all. Well, the man he sees has to be older than he is. You know, what nerve? I mean, he's offended by someone that's not a child who would dress up. How could somebody do that? very interesting character so then he you know goes on about his day says he had forgotten all about the people in cloaks until he passed a group of them next to the bakers he eyed them angrily as he passed he didn't know why but they made him uneasy which is of course more foreshadowing he hears them talking and he he hears something about the potters and their son harry which is the first time that we hear that name, Harry, and it's particularly, and it's associated, of course, with the, the Potter. So we know Harry Potter, their son, Harry Potter. So this also is telling us that Harry's a big deal. We don't know why, but we do know he's a big deal. People are talking about him on the street, these strange people in cloaks. And he kind of freaks out. Mr. Dursley freaks out for a moment and uh, is wondering, you know, can it be Harry Potter? Can it be, which is essentially his nephew? And he tries to, uh, or thinks about at least calling his wife, Mr. Mrs. Dursley, and telling him, but then kind of talks himself out of it. So he tries to go on about his day with work. And then runs into somebody, literally physically runs into somebody. And... That person, the quote is, Don't be sorry, my dear sir, for nothing could upset me today. Rejoice, for you know who has gone at last. 
Even muggles like yourself should be celebrating this happy, happy day. It's an interesting quote. First of all, the man is in the cloak. It's it's showing us that he's very friendly. Uh, it also introduces the villain, who they don't say his name. They say, for you know who has gone at last, uh, which is foreshadowing, of course, and it, it intrigues us. It intrigues me as a reader reading this for the first time. And the word muggles, I, I don't understand what that means as I'm reading this for the first time, I, you know, this is the first time I've heard that word, so I don't know what that word means. The The guy hugs Mr. Dursley and walks off, and Mr. Dursley is left, poor him, is left, you know, contemplating what just happened, and why did this guy hug me, and what did he? why did he call me a muggle? So then he goes off and hurries to his car to go home, he's done work for the day, and... Uh, he's, he, the quote says, hoping he was imagining things, which he had never hoped before because he didn't approve of imagination. So he's a very dull person. He goes home and he sees the cat again. He yells at the cat. The cat doesn't move. It's just staring at him. He asks Mrs. Dursley how her day is. He tries to act normally. They turn on the TV. Dudley had already gone to bed. They're putting on the news. And in the news, we hear that bird watchers are reporting all over that it's been a very strange day. Owls only hunt at night, but they've been, been seen everywhere today in the daylight. There have been hundreds of sightings of these, these owls. Uh, the news explains that experts are unable to explain why the owls have changed their patterns, their sleeping patterns. And... The newscaster says something about it being mysterious. And now over to Jim McGuffin with the weather. So with that, you know, we're really being told that something's going on in the world. Something is different. Something unusual is happening. And then the next, with with the weather, the weatherman explains that there have been essentially a, a rash of shooting stars all over so again you know weird things are going on mr dursley sits you know kind of frozen in in his chair you know what's going on why are these people with cloaks here and and he's hearing about the potters and hearing about owls and there's a weird cat outside that he thought was reading a map something different is going on so Mrs. Dursley pretends or, or I guess recognizes that something's weird and she asks what's wrong and, and he says nothing and you know he, then he talks about all the weird stuff going on and then he kind of makes a comment to her well maybe it has something to do with her crowd and he's obviously referring to her sister who is Mrs. Potter we don't exactly know why what the term her crowd means yet it's hinting that it's harry's mother mrs dursley's sister i mean and and it's also hinting that she has something to do with magic you know if she's involved with owls and cats and cloaks and shooting stars so he starts asking you know well well how old would their son be and mrs dudley you know says probably about dudley's age or or so and then she confirms to him that 
he his name would be Harry. Kind of makes a snide comment about, you know, what a gross name, what a disgusting name. So then they kind of, you know, decide to end the night, end the conversation. He looks outside one more time. He sees the cat is still there. And the cat's looking down Privet Drive like he's waiting for somebody or something. They end up going to bed. Mrs. Dursley falls asleep. Mr. Dursley is kind of, you know, reviewing all of this stuff in his head. He starts thinking about the Potters and the type of people they are. And an interesting quote says, The Potters knew very well what he and Petunia, who's Mrs. Dursley, the Potters knew very well what he and Petunia thought about them and their kind. He couldn't see how he and Petunia could get mixed up in anything that might be going on. He yawned and turned over. It couldn't affect them how very wrong he was. We're starting to see that, you know, there's some real hate and prejudice with these people who who seem to think they're above everybody else. So then we kind of jump outside and the book, the narrator, the book tells us that uh, a man appeared on the corner, which is where the cat had been looking, and he looks you know, old and very thin, gray hair and a long beard, and he's wearing a cloak, a purple cloak and high-heeled buckled boots, big blue eyes. We are told that this man's name is Albus Dumbledore. So Dumbledore looks around in his pocket for something, which we're told looks like a silver cigarette lighter. He flicks it open, holds it in the air, and as he clicks it, the street, light, the street lights go out. We're told that it's called a put-outer, which is, I love it, great name. And this is our first actual sign of real magic, really, that we're seeing demonstrated in front of us. So Dumbledore walks up towards this tabby cat and says, Fancy seeing you here, Professor McGonagall. And, of course, Professor McGonagall has turned from the cat into this human to this woman and they go back and forth talking about all of the celebrating that's gone on all day which again were you know referenced earlier in the chapter it was talked about we're celebrating uh this villain this man with no name who who we won't say his name we're celebrating him being gone and Dumbledore says you know you can't blame them for celebrating We've had precious little to celebrate for 11 years, he said. We don't know what's happened for 11 years, but again, it's you know another plot thread that, that is slowly unwinding. Then they're talking, and Professor McGonagall says something like, you know, it's, uh, a fine thing it would be on the very day you-know-who seems to have disappeared at last. The muggles may have found out about us all. I suppose he really has gone, Dumbledore. It certainly seems so, said Dumbledore. We have much to be thankful for. Would you care for a lemon drop? So once again, that you-know-who, that name comes up. And then Dumbledore seems to really quickly want to change the subject as if he knows something. They then... Professor McGonagall is not having... is not having it. She, she wants to know what's going on. She repeats, even if you-know-who is gone and... and Dumbledore kind of stops her. Certainly a, a sensible post, 
Certainly a sensible person like yourself can call him by his name. All this you-know-who nonsense. For 11 years, I've been trying to persuade people to call him by his proper name, Voldemort. And that's where we really, that's where we first hear this name that will become so important. Professor McGonagall flinched, but Dumbledore, who was unsticking two lemon drops, seemed not to notice. It all gets so confusing if we keep saying you-know-who. I've never seen any reason to be frightened of saying Voldemort's name. Again, we're seeing that there's a lot of fear from Voldemort. We're, we're learning a little bit about what's going on. We don't know what's happened the last 11 years that involved him, but we know he's extremely powerful. In fact, Professor McGonagall makes a comment that to Dumbledore that Voldemort was frightened of Dumbledore, and he was the only one he was frightened of. And Dumbledore says, yeah, but he has powers I never will have. And then Professor McGonagall says something about, but you're too, you do, but you're too noble to use them, which lets us know how powerful Dumbledore must be if he was the only person that could stop him, and he still ceased to use the strength of his power. And then this is where some exposition comes in that starts moving the story forward quickly. We find out that at a place called Godric's Hollow, Voldemort showed up there and found the Potters, and that and he killed them. They also talk a little bit about Lily and James and how amazing they are. You know, we're, we learn that these were liked people in this community. Professor McGonagall says that the rumor is that they're saying that Voldemort tried to kill the Potter's son Harry, but he couldn't. And nobody knows why he couldn't, but it left him but it left him a scar on his forehead, which, of course, is the sh in the shape of a lightning bolt. And Dumbledore seems to kind of know, but refuses to say anything. He keeps trying to change the subject. He's very short with Professor McGonagall. And then he tells her that he's come to bring Harry to his aunt and uncle. They're the only family that he has left. And Professor McGonagall is kind of shocked. You know, why are you bringing him to these horrible people? And Dumbledore says it's the best place for him. His aunt and uncle will be able to explain everything to him when he's older, so I've written them a letter. They go on talking about it, you know, what's in the letter, and Dumbledore explains that he's going to be famous. This is Harry Potter they're talking about. He's going to be famous. He's going to be a legend. I wouldn't be surprised if today was known as Harry Potter Day in the future. There will be books written about him. Everybody will know his name. And because of all this, isn't it better that Harry grows up away from all of that? You know, he, he, that he's not, that he doesn't grow up in that environment. And, of course, Professor McGonagall, you know, thinks about it and realizes, yeah, it's probably the best way for Harry to grow up. And, and asks him who's bringing him. And then we hear Hagrid. Professor McGonagall says something interesting, and that's, you think it wise to trust Hagrid with something as important as this? So we're learning again and again, how important Harry seems to be. You know, something as important as this, as bringing Harry to his, to his aunts to live. And then ha here comes Hagrid on a giant motorcycle, you know, flying, and he's a giant man, twice as tall as a normal man, five times as wide, you know, long bushy hair, a big bushy beard that hides his face. This is our introduction to Hagrid. 
So here comes this big, messy, giant man. He would think is savage with this, you know, little little baby Harry Potter. He tells us that he got the motorcycle that he rode from a young Sirius Black who becomes, you know, a character as we know later in the story. So they're kind of peeking over little Harry Potter and and they look at his scar and kind of uh, have this conversation that is pretty interesting where Professor McGonagall says, is that where? And, and Dumbledore says, yep, we'll have that scar forever. And she asks, couldn't you do something about it, Dumbledore? And he says, even if I could, I wouldn't. Scars can come in handy. I have one myself above my left knee that is the perfect map of the London Underground, which is pretty interesting, you know, uh, and we're starting to learn more about these characters and, and the type of people that they are. So before Dumbledore goes to, to leave Harry Potter with the Dursleys, Hagrid kind of says, you know, could I say goodbye to him? Which really shows that Hagrid feels a connection with Harry. You know, he's this kind of big, protective, protective lunk, if you will. So, of course, Hagrid goes and says goodbye and gives him a hug and a, or a kiss and then starts crying. And Professor Monagle says something about, you're going to wake the muggles. And Hagrid is just sobbing. And then he's talking about Lily and James are dead. And now Harry has to live with the muggles. And it's all sad. And uh, they're really concerned, though, about the public finding out about them. You know, and, and Hagrid's being loud. So then, you know, they they go to leave. And uh, we're again taken kind of back to reminded of how regular this place is. A breeze rustled through the neat hedges of Privet Drive, which lay silent and tidy under the inky sky, the very last place you would expect astonishing things to happen, which is exactly, you know, exactly what is happening. He, he leaves uh, Harry at the doorstep and tells him good luck and then is gone. Next day... Mrs. Dursley opens the door and screams because she sees this she sees this basket with this baby in it and this you know obviously we know that it's got a letter so then the final sentence of the chapter of chapter 1 the boy who lives says is talking about Dudley his cousin and so it ends he couldn't know that at this very moment people meeting in secret all over the country were holding up their glasses and saying in hushed voices to Harry Potter, the boy who lived. What a way to end the first chapter, huh? It's it's awesome. What a fantastical start. You know, we're introduced to all of these characters that are really already fleshed out. And there's all of these hints of what's going to come with Voldemort and that whole backstory. Why, why his name isn't used and... Lily and you know Harry Potter's parents, Lily and James. Uh, there's there's a whole thing going on there with their backstory that we don't know, and and Dumbledore and the mystery surrounding him and why you know why he's as powerful as Voldemort and why he isn't using his powers, uh, and just all all of that. There's so much going on uh, in that first chapter that it's just what a way to start the book. 
from in kind of analyzing this, you know, J.K. Rowling really has built up Harry Potter already as an infant. There, there's all this buzz about him. You know, there's could potentially be Harry Potter Day, and you know, all of this uh, going on, and we don't yet know his importance. We just know that his importance is is affecting their world. It's also established early on in this very first chapter that Voldemort, you know, the you-know-who, the one who should not be named, is kind of Harry's opposite. You know, he couldn't he couldn't kill Harry for whatever reason, which we don't know yet. Uh, but he's essentially set up to be his, his polar opposite. Uh, so that is interesting, you know, and it's, it's obviously going <laughs> to become a big part of the series going forward. It's also interesting that J.K. makes a contrast between night and day. So in the day, the Dursleys' life was much more mundane. I mean, there were little glimpses here and there, you know, the cat and and uh, the people in the cloak. As But as nightfall came, more and more of this magic and peculiar things were happening. You know, we're introduced to Harry's lightning bolt scar. We don't, we know it had something to do with Voldemort. We don't know why it was a lightning bolt or, and we don't know exactly what Voldemort did to try to kill baby Harry Potter. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are seemingly important and they're not explained in this first chapter. You know, it really, it really really gets us curious about, you know, what's going to happen in the future. And that's exactly the genius of Rowling's writing is that not only is it so creative and magical and also uh, you can picture it in your head. It's very, you know, it's very uh, easy to see in your mind's eye this happening. You can see these people, Professor McGonagall turned from a cat into a woman and, and giant Hagrid. So this is all awesome. I love this first chapter. I can't believe that I never read these books before now. I'm so glad that I am, and I'm so glad that you are on this journey with me, whether you're reading for the first time or for the 500th time, or you're just listening to see my thoughts on all this. I'm glad that you're here with me. I look forward to hearing from you soon. You can go to kylemcmahon.me forward slash Harry Potter and listen to additional episodes. Subscribe. That really helps the podcast get out there. If you subscribe and and rate, tell me what you think about the podcast. You can follow me on social media at kmacmusic on Twitter. Find me on Facebook, Kyle McMahon, YouTube, all that good stuff. I'm really curious what you think of this first episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Talk to me about Harry Potter. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what I'm doing right. I'm so excited to go to Chapter 2. I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in.